Good to see you at church today. Welcome. Um, it's June already. How did that happen? It's June. Can't believe it's June, but I'm with Jack. Praise God for the summer. And um, just want to say a, a big thank you, really, to start off public. Thank you for all your concern for me recently. I, I felt the love and support of the church in the wake of last week's Champions League final football results <laughs> as, as Liverpool lost and um, really felt you lifted me up in there as did other Liverpool fans in the house. So thank you so much for that. It's a funny old game as someone once said. Um, this event tonight in the park is going to be really good. The um, Lewis Gospel Choir um, I've discovered the lady that is directed and directs the Lewis Gospel Choir is the same lady who directed the choir at the royal wedding a couple of weeks ago. So if anyone watched the royal wedding and heard, I think they did stand by me, didn't they, in, in that, just phenomenal. It's the same director, and she's bringing the choir tonight. So that's going to be pretty good, I'm thinking, um, tonight in the park. Um, also, just to let you know, actually, it would be useful for you guys to know, that Mr. Kieran Dunn is in Brussels in Belgium this morning. Um, he is out there with Bobby McAdams. He's speaking at the church plant that we are connected with. He went out yesterday, spent the day with some of the leaders there, just encouraging them. And um, anyone remember back in November, we had Marinus and Evelyn here with us from Brussels. And we're just really excited to be kind of actively partnering with and engaging with um, church planting in Europe. And so great that we can actually send... Um, people out there to encourage them. That's what Kieran's doing this morning. And in just a few weeks' time, is it three weeks' time, the New Ground Leaders Conference, we're gathering three or four hundred leaders from across Europe, including the crowd from Brussels, actually, will be here for a conference that we're hosting um, on behalf of New Ground, the family of churches that we're part of. So it's just really exciting to be connected with these very real and very live church plants that are going on in major cities around um, Europe. So that's where Kieran is today. Anyway, we've been looking at the theme of worship in recent weeks, and we've heard some brilliant stuff. Tim last week, wasn't Tim amazing? Wasn't that fantastic? Just filled us with a, even get a round of applause, Tim. There you go. An amazing big picture view on, on who God is, the extraordinary nature of the universe, and who is behind all of those things. And if you haven't heard it, I, I encourage you to listen to it or watch it on YouTube and today I'm going to continue this series on worship. In some ways, kind of, um, Tim talked about the extraordinary last week. I want to talk this morning about worshiping God in the midst of the ordinary and mundane, the routine of everyday life. My talk, um, title of the talk today is The Extraordinary Ordinary. I want to talk about what it means to live life of worship in the routine, because let's be honest, a lot of life actually is ordinary and is routine, and you might even say at times it's mundane. We wake up, we have a shower, we have a tea or a coffee, whatever your choice is. Hands up who has a cup of tea first in the morning. Hands up who has a cup of coffee first in the morning. Yeah, tea wins, thought it might. <laughs> we go to work, we go to school, we might get on the same train to work every day and sit in the same carriage next to the same people or we might drive the same route to the office every day. We um, unload the dishwasher. We then reload into the dishwasher those items in the dishwasher that weren't cleaned in that one. And then load it up again. I don't know if anyone else does that, that about a third of the dishwasher goes back in. You're just recycling it every time you do it. 
might read the same newspaper, you might go to the same coffee shop, you might see the same people. If you have children, you know the routine of packed lunches and school runs and washing and tidying and then the school run and then making the meal, then bath time, then bed and you do the dishwasher again and load the dishwasher again and put all those items back in that still haven't cleaned. And then you fall asleep, maybe in front of the TV, and then you go to bed, and then you wake up, and you do it all over again. The same route to work, the same people that you see, the same routine, the same bowl goes back in the dishwasher. Much of life is ordinary and actually routine. And in the Bible, the Apostle Paul, I've got one kind of key verse I want to preach from today. In the book of Philippians, which is a letter to a church in a place called Philippi, One verse, Philippians 4, verse verse 4, says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Uh, To rejoice in God means that you find your joy in him, that you celebrate him, that you enjoy him, that you worship him in every moment of our lives. And Paul says we are always meant to rejoice in In God, in every circumstances, we're meant to rejoice in the Lord. And I believe that includes the ordinary. I really believe, church, that we need to somehow discover how to worship God in the midst of the mundane, routine, everyday moments, the humdrum of life, because it's where most of us live most of the time. And I think there's a challenge. I think this is really important because I think there's a real challenge going on for us culturally. And I'll try and explain what I mean by that. I believe that our culture is set up to despise the ordinary and the routine. Our our culture screams at us all the time that the ordinary and the routine is something that you shouldn't be satisfied with. Our culture says it's all about the new. No one wants to be ordinary. Everyone wants to be famous and extraordinary. That's why people go to such extreme and ridiculous lengths for one shot at stardom, because they don't want ordinary. We want new all the time. We want exciting. We want shiny. Ordinary is dull. Routine is something we don't want to really enjoy. And I think there's a generation in our country, in the world actually, who are always looking for the next new experience, the next holiday, the next weekend, the next gig, the next thing, the next new, the next shiny, the next extraordinary the next life shattering, the next epic, because we don't like routine. We want like the Lego movie. Anyone seen the Lego movie? Everything is awesome. Anyone know that song? We want everything is awesome and we want it all the time. And this ordinary life, well, let's discard that. And so people get to Wednesday in the working week and they want to um, wish away Thursday and Friday because we're living for the weekends. And this is ordinary and routine and dull, but when the weekend comes, that's new and exciting, and it's not routine. So just get me to the weekend, because then life really begins. And what happens, I believe, is there's this message that kind of gets put out to us. Uh, Are you stuck in a rut? Uh, Are you bored in your job? Are, Are you bored in your marriage? Are you bored with your car? Are you bored with your house? Are you bored? Well, then you deserve the new, the exciting, the adventure Because routine, no, we don't want routine. We don't want ordinary. How how do we rejoice in God in the ordinary, in the routine parts of life? I think every time we hear a message of kind of, we always need the epic, we always need the new, I think somehow it kind of chips away at our ordinary routine lives and suggests that somehow they're not 
They're not what you should really be living for. That somehow they're second best. That routine is second best. That the mundane, ordinary parts of life are somehow second best. And then discontentment creeps in. And we can become dissatisfied and discontent with our ordinary lives. Church, I really believe that discontentment is one of the greatest enemies to worship. It's one of the greatest enemies to worship, discontentment. The Bible says that godliness with contentment is great gain. There's something about contentment we need to understand. A worshipful heart, I believe, is a heart that has understood what it means to be content in any and every situation. And I believe that without care, this kind of creeping can think, kind of creep into our Christian life as well. We want the new experience. We want the new encounter. We want the new revelation. We want the next event. As Christians, rather than finding and celebrating and rejoicing in God in every moment of everyday life, even the ordinary and routine parts of our life. Dominique was um, reading the magazine recently, and um, there was an article from a journalist called Sarah Heppler, and the first line of the article, it, it grabbed our attention, was this, I never wanted to be ordinary, that's the first line, I grew up wanting to be different from other people, and this lady goes on to describe how she had this desire just not to conform or, or do the ordinary thing, but actually it led her to um, kind of social and recreational drinking and she goes on to talk about how her life from the age of 20 to 35, 15 years, is really robbed um, by this pursuit of the next big drinking event and the next binge and the next extreme and pushing the boundaries the whole time. She said alcohol had overtaken me and I'd stopped noticing how much beauty there was around me and her concluding paragraph really stuck out to me. I think there's something so powerful about it. She said, it was only when I stopped striving to be different that I found freedom. For so many years, I thought it was uncool to be ordinary, not understanding that being ordinary is a great gift. There is peace to be found in embracing life's mundanities. And this journalist, as far as I'm aware, she may be, I'm not, I don't think she's a Christian, but she makes a profound statement. There's peace to be found in embracing life's mundanities. We need to realize, church, God is at work in the ordinary as much as he is at work in the extraordinary. And we are to rejoice in him in the ordinary as much as in the extraordinary. In the Christian life, actually, a lot of it is worked out, actually, in the day-to-day -day routines of work and rest and sleep and food and family and relationships. That's where a lot of it is worked out. The Apostle Paul wrote another letter to a church in a place called Thessalonica. So um, he writes something quite amazing, actually. We, we don't often talk about this. In 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 9 to 12, it, 12 he says this. He talks about their love for one another. He says, we don't need to write to you about your love for one another, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, Paul says, to do so more and more, and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders, and so you will not be dependent on anybody. Have you ever heard anyone preach a message on leading a quiet life? 
We don't hear many preachers about that, do we? But Paul here in the Bible says, I'm urging you, I want it to make it your ambition, lead a quiet life, love people, mind your own business, <laughs> I just love it, get on with work, with your hands, it's the ordinary stuff of ordinary life, love people, go to work, be a good neighbor, mind your own business, lead, live a quiet life. Why? Because actually your life will somehow earn the respect then of other people. It's incredible advice and we don't often talk about it very much because it's probably so ordinary. Right here in the Bible we read these kind of ideas. I think even in Christian circles we find ourselves... Now we love the stories, don't we, of the pioneers, those people who have gone to far-flung Nations that have had incredible encounters with God, that have seen incredible stories, the kind of stories that make it onto YouTube or end up in a book. And we love reading those things and they're inspiring. And of course they are. They're incredible. They're inspiring stories. People like Heidi Baker and Jackie Puddinger and the Heavenly Man. We read these books and we love to tell these stories because it is extraordinary what God does through these individuals. But do you know what? What about the mum who nobody knows? who never speaks on a platform, who will never write a book, who's never profiled on YouTube, who grew up in a Christian home and who brings her children up to know Jesus and to be kind and compassionate and who's a good neighbor and who's kind to people and who's generous. A book's never going to be written, but isn't that life as extraordinary as those other lives? And we tend to celebrate the extraordinary all the time without recognizing what God does in the ordinary moments of everyday life. I want to encourage us today to worship God in the ordinary, to rejoice in the Lord always, to celebrate routine, to live content. How do we do it? How do we worship God in everyday life? How do we rejoice in him always? I wonder if life was always meant to be more ordinary than we think it was. I believe there's 10,000 reasons every day to worship God that we often miss. I believe much of the ordinary is God-ordained. I'll try and explain why. Let me um, take you back right to the beginning of the Bible, to the creation story. Genesis 1 and 2, we read the extraordinary work of God in making creation. God made day and night and light and dark, and he made the sun and the stars and the moon, and he made days... There's a periods of time marked by light and dark and work and rest. And he made weather systems and trees and plants and food that could be eaten and woods that could be made into stuff. And he made rivers and he made clouds and he made insects and animals and fish and birds and he made people and relationships and companionship and he created the idea of work and rest and relaxation and he made all of it. And what do we read about it? He looked at creation and said, this is good. This is all good. It was created for humanity to enjoy in order to bring joy and worship back to God. The routine of the sun rising and the sun setting, that's really good. The idea of work and rest, yeah, that's God's idea. The idea that relationships exist between people, yeah, that's all good. The fact that God made stuff that we could eat, food for us to enjoy, all good. You actually see a lot of creation is actually the ordinary stuff of everyday life. Light and dark, earth and sky, 
day and night, work and rest, sun and stars. Stuff that we see and experience every day. Now, just for a moment, just work with me. If you know the story of Genesis 1 and 2, who was it that suggested that all this good stuff wasn't quite enough? The enemy. Satan came into the garden in the form of a snake, and he spoke to Adam and Eve, and he said, did God really say? All this good stuff God's given you, but look, if you ate from this tree, you could have so much more. You have so much more knowledge, so much more power. Did God really say you couldn't eat from this tree? No, don't listen to God. No, no, there's more for you. There's more over here. And Adam and Eve listened to that and they thought, you know what, all this good stuff that God's created is not quite good enough. So we're going to go this way and look for something else. So who is it that's bringing dissatisfaction with God's good creation? An enemy that says that's not quite enough, is it? And because so much emphasis in our culture is put on the new, the new experience, the new adventure, the extraordinary, I think we can fall into the same trap of believing that the day-to-day goodness of God's creation, the routine of work and relationships and food and sun and moon and day and night and light and dark isn't enough for us. We end up thinking our lives are dull. They've got to be extraordinary. We don't like routine. We want the new. And we might miss Miracles in front of our noses every single day and miss moments to rejoice in the Lord's. Now, please don't hear what I'm not saying. Okay, I believe in an extraordinary God who does extraordinary things. And I read of what he does in the Bible. Extraordinary miracles. And I read about what he's done in church history. Extraordinary. I've seen him do extraordinary things. I've seen people healed in extraordinary ways. I've seen lives transformed in extraordinary ways. I've seen financial provision in extraordinary ways, and I've celebrated them all. God is extraordinary and does extraordinary things, but God is as equally present and as equally powerful in the ordinary as in the extraordinary. And, and this is key, he is as worthy of our worship and praise in the ordinary as he is in the extraordinary. We've got to discover how to worship him in the ordinary parts of our days. Sometimes we can live always looking for the extraordinary work of God and miss the incredible thing that he's doing right in front of our noses. So we can read the book of Acts. Um, I love the book of Acts. It's in the New Testament. It tells us all about the early church and its incredible adventure. These pioneering men and women that were going to places and planting churches and people were meeting with Jesus and there was opposition and there was healings and there was miracles and salvations. Hands up if you love the book of Acts. It's an amazing book. And we read it and think, yes, this is what we want in, in our church. And I'm like, yes, absolutely, I want this in our church. We should have an expectation of these things happening in our church. But do you know the 28 chapters of Acts that we can read in about an hour cover 32 years of church history? It's like an edited highlights video of 32 years of church history. Which means that in between the miracles that we read about, there's a lot of ordinary just going about everyday life. Even the great Apostle Paul, for all his exploits and all his adventures, he had a day job. He made tents. In Corinth, we read that he goes to Corinth. 
this city, and he meets there a Jewish couple called Priscilla and Aquila, who were tent makers. And he says, because he was a tent maker as well, he got joined them in their work. And he says, every Sabbath, he reasoned and preached in the synagogue with Jews and Greeks. Every Sabbath, what's that? Once a week. So what's he doing the other six days of the week? Well, he's doing his day job. He's making tents in Corinth. And we read the book of Acts and we think it's all adventure and it's all mission. And of course it is adventure and mission. But in the midst of the gaps that we don't read is Paul making tents, going to work, faithfully doing his job. Yeah, I want the extraordinary, but we need to see the ordinary moments. There's a guy called Pete Gregg. I've quoted him often. I've recommended his book, Dirty Glory. Um, I know many people have read it. In Dirty Glory, he talks about the fact there are extraordinary miracles that science cannot explain, and there are actually um, miracles that happen every day that science can explain, but they're still miracles. So he says this, he says, there are endless things that science can explain, which are still infused with God's mystery and presence, like a star field at night, or a human iris, or a baby born with its own unique fingerprints, If you feel like you don't see many miracles, try celebrating God's presence in the normal stuff. Thanking him for every coincidence, and yes, cheesy as it may sound, counting your blessings. And as you thank God for the really understandable stuff, you'll one day soon, sooner than you think, find yourself thanking God for a few things that you can't fully explain. I love that line, try celebrating God's presence in the normal stuff. It's really, really good advice. So how how do we do this? How do we rejoice in the Lord always? How do we worship him in every moment of our lives, including the ordinary? Well, I I believe wholeheartedly it begins with thankfulness and gratitude. Grateful for the small things. When we are bombarded with messages that say we don't have enough, that we need the new, that we need the epic, that we need the next. It takes a certain kind of discipline to choose to be thankful for the small and the ordinary and to live grateful lives. To find joy in ordinary things because God is in it. It says this in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, Rejoice always, pray continually, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If any of you are here wondering what God's will is for your life, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. 1 Timothy 4.4 says, for everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. Rejoice always, give thanks in all circumstances, everything God has created is good, Receive it with thanksgiving. I really believe if you want to grow and cultivate a worshipful heart, it starts in this place of thanksgiving and gratitude. Living grateful lives, grateful for who God is, grateful for what he's done, grateful for his amazing creation. What what would this look like? Well, let, let me try and give you an example. So, like I said, we praise God for the extraordinary miracles. And um, hallelujah, I've seen them. He's extraordinary. I've seen, I'm just looking out at someone here this morning, for months lived with shoulder pain, physio didn't deal with it, um, treatment didn't do with it, painkillers didn't deal with it. One morning here at church, God came and in his power and glory, the pain went and it's gone forevermore. 
I believe in that God. I believe in that God. The God who can break in in a moment and heal extraordinarily. But equally, do you know, God's extraordinary creation and power is on display every time you cut your finger whilst chopping the vegetables. Your body will naturally heal. So within a few minutes of you cutting your finger, the the blood will begin to clot um, to form a scab. So actually it protects the rest of your finger from infection. It does it automatically without you thinking about it. And it stops the bleeding and it protects the tissue. And as that happens, your body immune system kicks in and keeps the area clean. Actually works hard, creates fluids to keep the area clean from infection. And blood vessels open then to bring oxygen um, into the area um, because oxygen is essential for healing. And white blood cells come and they help fight infection from germs and they begin to repair the wounds. And then tissue growth and rebuilding occurs. And um, your red blood cells produce something called collagen, which produces fibers, which are a tough substance, which begins to rebuild tissue. And, and new skin and new tissue begin to form over it. And it eventually kind of pulls it all in closer and closer and closer so that the wound disappears. And that happens every time you cut your finger. It's the ordinary, extraordinary work of God. And what do we do? We say, ah, we put on a plaster and we carry on with the day and we don't realize that a miracle is happening in that moment right in front of your eyes. Rejoice in the Lord always. Or let's go even further. You have a headache and you take a paracetamol. Pretty ordinary stuff. Other than the fact that God's given us intellect and creativity to be able to take God's good creation and fashion it into tiny pills that remove pain. And that those tiny pills are available from Tesco's anytime, day or night, normally for just a few pence. And you can go there and buy those pills readily available to you that have been designed by the fact that God's given this intellect and creativity and taken from God's good creation to take away your headache. We take a pill, ordinary life. You see, what I'm trying to get us to see is that the extraordinary healing in the worship thing is extraordinary. The fact that your body heals itself is extraordinary. The fact that we have medicine readily available to us that God's enabled us to be able to create is extraordinary. They are all reasons to rejoice in the Lord always. In the day-to-day, every moment of every day. Every day is full of moments such as these. I wonder if you can do something with me. Can we all just count to ten together um, out loud? So are you ready? One, two, three, four. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Well done, church. You can count to ten. That's good news. In those ten seconds, your heart would have beaten about ten or twelve times and would have moved about a liter of blood around your body. Just think about a, a liter of orange juice. That amount of blood has moved around your body in those 10 seconds. In a minute, it'll be about five to seven liters. In a day, your body will pump about seven and a half thousand liters of blood around your body in a day, and we don't even think about it. Every day, your heart beats, your lungs expand, your eyes blink, your skin regenerates. Blood pumps through your body, you inhale oxygen, you exhale carbon monoxide all the time, every day it's going on. Rejoice in the Lord always. Tim said last week, we are, quoting Psalm 139, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Isn't there something extraordinary about the ordinary? So how do we rejoice in the everyday? 
Let me quote Pete Gregg again. He wrote this. Relentlessly pursue joy today. Laugh often and listen well. Celebrate the wonder of the smallest, most ordinary things. Marvel at the simple magnificence of the mundane. Marvel at the magnificence of the mundane. I love that. Worship God today because the sun rose this morning and the sun will set tonight as it has done every day in human history. Every day that happens. And we often don't notice it or miss it or we're too busy to see it. The psalmist says, from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. It's an ordinary part of every day. Worship the Lord because of it. Worship God today because whilst you've been sat here listening to me, you've inhaled about 210 litres of air. And the oxygen you breathe has been transferred into your blood through capillaries in your lungs. And the oxygenated blood has gone to your heart and it's pumped around the rest of your body, which has mean this morning it's enabled you to listen and see and open your Bible and cross your legs and take notes and check Instagram on your phone and check the item you're selling on eBay. It's enabled you to do all of those things this morning while you've been listening to me. It's happening all the time without us even thinking about it. Acts 17, 25 says, It is God who gives everyone life and breath. And God sustained you while you've been here this morning. Every breath we draw is a gift of God's love. Every moment of existence is a grace. Worship God today because of the smell and taste of bacon. Isn't it just the most amazing thing? Apologies to the vegetarians in the house. Honestly, I had a BLT sandwich this week in Home Coffee House. Where's Pete? Pete Barnes, he served it to me. I mean, it was proper crispy bacon. It was so, so good. I praise God for food that tastes as good as that. Paul says in 1 Timothy 6.17 that we are to put our hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. God created bacon for our enjoyment. Yes. Now, there's other ordinary things in life that make me want to worship God. I'll tell you a few of them. When I hear my five-year-old boy, Joseph, belly laughing out loud with his brother, Levi. And I hear them in their bedroom laughing and laughing. It makes me want to worship God. When I'm tired and I go to bed and I thank the Lord for sleep. What a kind part of creation sleep is, isn't it? An amazing thing. When I run along the foot of the downs and I realize God's kindness has enabled me to live in an incredibly beautiful part of the world. I want to worship him because of it. When I have an evening meal, recognizing that I don't live with hunger, but I have food in my fridge, I want to worship God because of that. When I consider how amazing it is that my kids go to great schools and have a great education, there's something to praise God for. When I turn on the tap and clear drinking water flows without me thinking about it. When I listen to a song that I love and I sing it so loud it embarrasses my daughters. When I mow my lawn and smell that smell, freshly cut grass. When I eat a Thai curry, hallelujah. When my family benefits from the extraordinary provision of the NHS, I praise God. When I walk by the sea, when I jump in a lake, 
Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Church, I wonder what's on your list. Things that you'd like to worship God for in the ordinary moments of life. Let's not despise the ordinary. Let's not run away from the routine. God set an order in place in creation. He's created day and night, work and rest, food and relationships. It's part of his good creation. It's his idea. You know, there's a story in the Old Testament. Moses speaks to the Israelites in Deuteronomy 8. And, and he's speaking to them just before they go into the lands, the promised land that God's given them. And he says this to them. He says, the Lord your God's bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks and streams and deep springs gushing out into valleys and hills, a land with wheat, barley, vines, fig, trees, pomegranates, olive oil, honey, a land where bread will not be scarce, you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out the hills. It says this, when you've eaten and are satisfied... Praise the Lord your God for the good land he's given you. How, how about we start doing that? When we've had a meal and are satisfied, praise the Lord for the land that he's given us, for the food that he's given us. He goes on to say this, Be careful that you don't forget the Lord your God. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, and when you build your fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large, then your heart will become proud and you'll forget the Lord your God. What's Moses saying? It's the ordinary stuff of life. Your homes, your provision, your food. Don't forget God in those things. Don't become proud. Remember God in the ordinary stuff of the land that he's given you. All this good stuff is because God's been kind. Rejoice in him Always. So this week, church, make a decision to be grateful for a good coffee that you have. Or the fact that you can go to work or walk on a summer's evening. Because all things are from God and they are to be used for our enjoyment to bring back to him to praise. Do you know what? I'm, we're going to just finish here. I just want to say one thing. Maybe the most powerful witness to our world. Maybe the most powerful testimony our lives can bring in our culture, in our setting is a life that rejoices in the ordinary because of Jesus. In a world that is always striving after the new and the new experience, but a generation racked by anxiety and discontentment, how radical would it be for a people that says, I'm going to rejoice in the mundane. I'm, I'm going to praise God in the ordinary. I'm going to be grateful for the routine. How powerful a testimony that would be in a discontented generation. So I will be discontent. I will be content. Why? Because God's good. And he's good in the ordinary as well as in the extraordinary.